My name is Angela Cox and I am the Mindset Mentor and this is the Mindset Mentor Meets podcast. Now my aim is to discover and share the secrets of success. You'll hear engaging and uplifting interviews with business leaders at the top of their game, all primed to deliver bucketfuls of value and inspiration. We'll bring practical tips, success strategies and golden nuggets of motivation to help you unleash your absolute potential. Now, please do like, share and leave a review if you love this podcast. It really does help others to find us. Thanks for listening and let's jump in now and meet this week's fabulous guest. It's a real pleasure to have Lou Banks on the show today. Now, Lou is the founder of Rising Vibe, and she is on a mission to use emotion to drive change. This sounds right up my street, so I'm really keen to learn more. Lou, it's Monday morning. It's sunny outside. We're in the middle of September. Tell me, how are you feeling today? I am feeling very good today. I've had a lovely weekend of not really doing that much but what I did do was very enjoyable I didn't do any chores this weekend I saw some great people I ate some great food so I feel a little bit like I need to have a couple of days of eating well (laughs) because I'm not eating so well over this weekend but yeah I'm feeling good I'm, I'm feeling up for it this week for sure Wonderful. It's good to meet you. It's good to see you. It does look like you're in a sauna there. So I thought you were somewhere sort of Scandinavian. Where are you? So I have a cabin at the bottom of my garden, which has got, I know it's great. I've got a little office, which I'm in now that you can see, and then a storeroom and I've got a lounge area behind me. And I did this because we work from home. So we work with, you know, we go out to our clients, not so much at the moment, obviously. So I've been completely set up for working from home during this. That bit has not been a problem where I know for a lot of people it's been really tricky during COVID. So I'm in my cabin, which does look like a sauna, and it does feel like a sauna in the (laughs) afternoon when the sun comes around the other side, actually. (laughs) But I love the fact that you can escape from the house, escape from any noise that's going on and just tuck yourself away. That's brilliant. It is brilliant. Yeah, definitely. Now, I don't know whether you have heard the podcast before, but one of the things that we do is what I call the shake your pom-poms moment. And This is often difficult for people, but it's about celebrating your own success and being your own cheerleader. So I'd love it if you would start us off with sharing your three proudest moments, please. So I did think about this because it's a tricky one, isn't it? It really is. So I've chosen three that are quite different, actually, because I thought it might be interesting to think about three things I'm proud of in different contexts. So the first one is when I was 14, so between the age of 14 and 18, I was in the sports acrobatics and gymnastics British team for a wow. period of time. Yeah. And it's interesting because I kind of forget that one because it feels so long ago now, unfortunately. <laughs> but that was, I remember when I think about that, I remember the pride of wearing my GB blazer and having a GB badge yes. on my on my leotard yeah so that was huge I mean it was tough at times in terms of the training but I, I feel very proud of that the other one is actually very recent so my son Charlie he's nearly 20 and he's going into his second year at uni so obviously their first year was a bit interesting because he came home early and 
Cool. And I was dreading taking him back because having him around, you know, and he's he's great company, and you know, he's a, he's an adult now, so it's it's easier. And I was dreading taking him back because the first time I dropped him off, it was awful. <laughs> and dropping him, he's in a shared house now with two friends he's been friends with since he was in year two. Oh, and two other lads that he's met in his first year. Seeing how excited he was when I dropped him off, and how independent he's become. And that fact that he wasn't actually embarrassed of me anymore. He went for a stage probably between 13 to 15, 16, where like, yeah, all right, mum, you know, please don't speak to my friends. Yet I drove him up on my own. My husband and daughter, they stayed at home and he introduced me to the new lads and I made up his bed and he wasn't awkward. And oh, how lovely. So I just feel very proud of, of the young man he's become, I guess. That's my second one. And then the third one, when I set up my business in 2009, and it was very clear to me that's what I wanted to do, I had no doubt it would be okay. But everyone around me pretty much, because it seemed like quite a sudden decision, and it wasn't really for me, but it seemed it to other people because I just hadn't really verbalized it, and would say to me, well, if it doesn't work out, you can always go back to the corporate world. If it doesn't work out, you can always go back to the corporate world. And I remember oh, thinking... the optimism. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's gonna, what was great was I felt even more comfortable with my decision because I wasn't wobbled by that so I guess I remember the pride of getting my first proper piece of work and I set up in November and I started in January like a first what I would say program piece of work and I remember being so buzzing about that so that was quite a lot but then my three that I came up with because all quite different oh absolutely and I'm really keen to dig into the first one just for a minute because the level of training that you need to do to be able to compete at GB level is significant, but I'm keen to understand what you learned from that and how that set you up for success in your adult life. Yeah, well, for sure, just the tenacity and, you know, you're learning a new move, you having to train, I was training six days a week. By the way, I loved it. You know, I had great friends there. It was like a family. Sometimes it would go wrong. Sometimes you couldn't do it. And just that, continuing to try not giving up but knowing when to give up so what I mean by that is sometimes a move wouldn't work or the routine wouldn't go right so it wasn't about giving up it was about let's give up that way how else might be able to do it nice Um, so that definitely has served me well in business that okay that wasn't great that didn't work how could we change that going forwards what could we learn from that what we do differently next time and it's interesting that talking to you about this now because I was only really thinking about the proud moments thing, that is definitely, I have got that as a mindset 100%. So it clearly started at quite a young age, for sure. And you can feel it. I can feel your tenacity coming over the Zoom call. It's just sort of inbuilt in you. But I love that idea of when things aren't quite going the way that you expect them to go, don't just keep hammering it, stop and review and perhaps move in a different direction, but don't give up. Definitely. And don't pretend, and though I didn't, I wasn't so great at this, don't pretend it's not bothering you. Okay. You know that, the thing about the ego and I'm going to bat it away, pretend it doesn't bother me, I didn't really care, wasn't really a problem because I want to save face, I don't want to feel the shame, the embarrassment, the humiliation. That definitely wasn't something that I did a lot then. And I don't think it was particularly encouraged either, by the way. I agree. So that's definitely something that I have had to work really hard at to say actually that really hurt me or actually I was really offended by that or actually I'm finding this really difficult or actually I'm really I screwed that up and I'm not feeling good about myself that is 
hard. That's really hard. Tenacity is easy. <laughs> the other bit isn't so easy at all. The other bit takes the vulnerability, doesn't it? And obviously you, you're on this drive of bringing emotion into the workplace, into the corporate world, to the clients that you work with. Now, I know that you've come from the client world. So we'll talk about what you do as we move forward. But let's talk about your career history and how you got to the place where you set up Rising Vibe in the first place. So I fell into the corporate world, actually, in the mid-90s. So I was, from my gymnastics background, I then started teaching aerobics. I guess it's like a natural transition. (laughs) And I worked in London, yeah, and I had a great time, you know, just teaching, going out. And then, I mean, they don't exist anymore, but there was a chain of clubs called Hong's Place. I don't know if you remember those. So I was studio coordinator for about five of those. So I had a great time. And then my body started hurting a bit and I couldn't really keep it up, my ankles and my knees. So I thought, right, what? I suppose I better get a proper job. (laughs) And one of my friends, one of my best friends worked at B&Q at the time. And she said, well, I think I could probably get you into B&Q. She worked in HR. So I ended up being a PA for an IT director, which was really easy and quite boring. But at that time, B&Q was a really social place. So it was just, again, it was was going from one social, yeah. And then I thought, actually, this is a bit boring. And I really like the culture here. I really like the environment here. I wanted to do something else I could do. So I moved into project management. And then I tended to be put on projects where there were people involved who were resisting, who were perhaps not in a great space about the change or the, you know, the challenge or the project, because it didn't bother me. I was just really curious about, you know, people who are being a bit stroppy backing off, pushing things away, not engaging. So from that, I then transitioned into a change team. I headed up a small change team that was new. And then from there, I moved into learning and development and the B&Q University at the time. So really random. I mean, would have never have realized I'd have ended up there at all. That was not my intention. I didn't have any plan, really. But that's where, I guess, my first real experience of frustration with the corporate world started to hit me you know I'm I've never done hierarchy and what I mean by that is I respect everybody I mean actually I'm probably being I don't respect everybody some people I struggle to feel depending on what's going on but I mean it doesn't matter to me if you're a chief executive you clean the toilet I will treat you and engage you in exactly the same way and so I believe it's okay to if you've got a question if you've got a challenge as long as your intent is positive because you're just curious or you want to improve something you just put it out there that was not always well received so I would always reach a particular point in the business and never get any further. You know, I was framed as a bit of a maverick. I was Marmite. <laughs> Which, by the way, you know, yeah, troublemaker, challenge too much, all of that kind of stuff. Which now when I say that out loud, I'm quite proud of it. Actually, <laughs> but at the time, it was a real barrier for me. But there, I guess there was a, a pinnacle moment when my HR director at the time, I kind of asked a question, what is it going to take for me to get to the next level? And He said to me, if you want to get on, you need to change your brand. Personal brand. Yeah, you basically just need to change who you are. And I thought, wow. so that was it. My decision was made. I thought, I'm out of here. And so I put my name out there. You know, you need to get contacted by headhunters. You know what happens, you get approached. And I just said, look, actually, I'm up for seeing what's out there. And then I moved into my next role, which was senior healthcare very high-end senior healthcare. They didn't have any organizational development at all. And they're looking for someone to head up that new part of the business. But 
in my interview, and I went for that interview, I said to them before I even started, if you are looking for someone who is going to toe the line, conform, is compliant, that's not me. And so rather than waste your time and you know our time, I'm just going to be really transparent because I do not want to end up in a situation where I was before. And the ops director, Mark, said to me afterwards, or it might have been John, I can't remember, one of the two guys said to me afterwards, you had the job at that point for me. And so I had nearly five years there and I loved every minute because you I fitted I could be me. So that really was, and then there were some structural changes there in 2009 and I'd had both my children and I thought, you know, Martha was a bit younger than I thought she would be when I did this. She was 18 months and I thought, you know what, I'm going to do it. So then I set up my first business. Yeah. Wow. So what age were you then then? What age were you when you first set up? It was 2009. So that's 11 years ago. So I was 30. Seven, I think. Thirty-seven. I forget how old I am. I remember my mum <laughs> saying to me when she was, uh, you know, when I was growing up, "How old am I again?" I was thinking, "How can you not know how old you are?" And I now know. So I'm forty-nine now. So it's eleven to thirty-eight. Yeah. <laughs> but what's interesting about that then? So rolling back the four years when you first had B and Q say to you, "You'd have to change your brand." You're in your early thirties. It's quite scary for an individual to, at that age, to actually decide that they're not happy about that bit of feedback and that they need to do something differently rather than continue to try to fit in. Because you hear a lot about people transforming in their 40s and, you know, getting true to who they are and more authenticity coming through. But in your 30s, very much still trying to prove yourself. So it's a really brave thing that you did there. And obviously it's led on to bigger and better things. So tell us more about your business then. Tell us how you help people. It's interesting you just talk about the transformation in your 40s. So I would say what I didn't do in my 30s, though. So I've got what I would call, uh, and it was interesting, so one of my coaches, therapists over the years, threw this at me once and I said, God, that really resonates. But I've got a real street fighter mentality, which sometimes is brilliant and serves you well in that situation it did. Like, right, I'm going to show you. Actually, (laughs) don't you tell me I can't do it. I'm going to show you. But then, of course, it's not helpful because I'm also have been very armoured up a lot of the time. Yeah. So that means, I guess, my transformation in my 40s has been, which is then feeds into the business, that the vulnerability bit. Yeah. Going first and saying, because actually, you know, being told to change your brand, the street fighter to me was like, you know, I'm going to show you, don't you dare, how dare you? But actually, that was devastating. For someone to say to you, you are actually, mm. really, if you think about the interpretation, you can interpret in many different ways, but basically, you know, who you are it's isn't really enough. working. Mm. Yeah. So I think that has been definitely the shift for me in my 40s. And so Rising Vibe is all about that, is all about, you know, how can we help our clients to create a culture that has well-being at the centre and not in a pink and fluffy way. You know, people who have never met me or people in the business in the team before may have a perception that we are, you know, very therapy voice and caftan sandals burning incense because we're talking about emotion. <laughs> Actually, you can be straight talking, no mm-hmm. nonsense, simple and practical, you know, way of showing up and still talk about emotion. Yeah. So that's what we mean by bringing well-being to the heart of every culture. It's how do you enable the people that you work with alongside for feel able to talk about where they're really at. I don't get this. I don't understand. Can I ask you a question? I don't feel good. I'm really struggling. If you can't 
do any of that. I mean, innovation, creativity, you don't have any of that, do you? Because yeah. people are afraid. So how do you get rid of the fear of, you know, people feeling judged basically? Yeah. And we're hardwired for that. So we're not going to get rid of it, but how can you create a culture and an environment where people feel less judged and feel safer to kind of step out and say what they need? I love that. I love that. So, I mean, I talk about that in terms of blending backbone with heart, you know, which is that idea of you can be empathic, you can, you know, be open to sharing your vulnerability, but at the same time, you can be bloody straightforward as well. And actually that combination works really well. Now you were telling me before we came on air about how you work with men. And I found that fascinating because I think it's something that we share. So I'd love to hear a little bit more about that. Yeah. So the sub brand, the brother brand is called Calling Out the Men. Brother brand. (laughs) Brilliant. Yeah. Brother brand. Yeah. And if I just give you a little bit of a headline around what calling out the men actually means, because we do get, we've had over the years, we launched it officially last year at the Mad World Summit, actually, but we've had it around for a couple of years. And we've posted stuff on social over that time. And we've had some interesting, some very supportive responses and some very unsupportive responses you know quite abusive and when I say I enjoy that I don't mean I enjoy the abuse I enjoy engaging with that because I find it fascinating because polarity isn't it completely and that polarity if you're not afraid of it and you get underneath it you can really uncover what that resistance is all about so the calling out the men means calling out the men to come forward and be okay Mm -hmm. with that vulnerability so you know don't pretend you're okay when you're not it's also about calling out the men who challenge men who do that, which right. we've had a lot of, you know, some of the abuse, some of the comments uh, that we've had, you know, we're calling those men out to say, do you know what? If it's not your thing, that's fine. Bugger off. Or yeah. let's you go and explore nice. that. Yes. <laughs> and then the other bit is calling out the women to call out their men. So, you know, all of us have men in our lives. It doesn't yeah. have to be a, you know, a spouse. It can be, it doesn't have to be a son. It would, you know, not even be around your father anymore, but we work with men. There's men in your life. Call them out too. So support them. So I know the calling out is often seen as not a very helpful frame, but for us, that's what it means. Yes. And I, and I, I was sharing with you before, in, just in my, you know, my circle, you know, my dad is a recovering alcoholic. You know, my son, who's nearly 20, you know, he has struggled and worries about things. In our friendship group, you know, one of my husband's really close friends, one of our really close friends in 2013 took his own life. And then one of our really close friends who was really involved in that, his father then took his own life. And this is just in my, mm. my life. And we all know about the suicide rate, something like that. But actually calling out the men isn't about that necessarily. It's about supporting the men in business who look like they've got it all. I guess our audience are the men who are successful, yes. have great jobs, you know, have a family, have three holidays a year, look like they've got nothing to be concerned about. And actually the shame they feel when they don't feel great yeah, because there's no excuse. They don't have a reason. So there's a lot of people out there talking about how low they feel and how and that's absolutely phenomenal. And that's exactly what needs to happen. But some of these guys that we work with haven't had something significant happen to them in their lives. They just don't feel great. No. And because they haven't had anything significant happen, they feel uncomfortable talking about it. So that's our kind of target audience for calling out the men. And, and I guess our strapline for that is providing emotional support for men in business. And if you Google, it's fascinating. 
if you Google support for men in business and you Google support for women in business, the list for women is endless. Yeah, it's huge. Huge. When you Google support for men in business, and we do it once a month, checking it in, so it means changed. It's all about how men can support women. I mean, I just love that you're doing it. I would say 30% of the people that I work with one-to-one are men, senior leaders. But very interesting, when I work with women and get to the end of a program or, you know, a 12 months or whatever, they can't wait to go and shout about it. They're so happy to tell everyone, to do testimonials. Men never want to. And the fear is always that it's what other people are going to think. And I just find that is a real shame in this day and age that, you know, we have men or women who feel like that. So I love that you are tapping into that and kind of bringing emotion to the forefront. It's brilliant. Yeah. And we use on our website, anyone can download it. The backbone model of our brand is called the Rising Vibrational Scale. And it comes from the original source is the emotional guidance system from Abraham Hicks work. So it's quite spiritual. It's quite heavy. Too heavy for the corporate world. Actually, the scale scares some people because of the 22 levels at the bottom. It's got the word shame in it. It has. And (laughs) despair and depression, uh, you know. So just using that as a way of checking in, you know, base level entry way of using that tool. When you have something in front of you that's got that word, those words on and even talks about confidence, immediately people have permission. Yeah. They might not go straight away, but okay. So we've got some very extreme language on here and you've given it to me. So that would suggest you are okay with me sharing some stories potentially around that. So it's such a basic tool, but it's so powerful and works particularly well for men because a lot of them have said to me, you know, I never realized this many words existed to to describe emotion. And actually their brain is wired slightly differently to us. So the word centers, yeah. And the emotional centers not connected in the same way that ours are. So one of my clients said, I can't wait to tell my wife because she calls me in a, in a, an emotional mute. And I can now tell her it's because my brain is not wired. Because I'm a man. <laughs> yeah. And we laugh about that kind of stuff. But actually, it, you know, it it's is so a real true. thing, right? Yeah. So the, the whole frame of it's okay not to feel okay, which yeah. I totally connect to. It's okay not to be okay, but then what? Yeah. So then what? It's about Reaction. what do I then do? And men want to take, they're much more action orientated, right? So yeah. So that's what calling out the men is all about. Oh, I love it. I feel like all goosebumps and stuff. I think it's brilliant. Well done. And let's talk about you a little bit more then. So we understand what you do and where you've been and where you've come from. So let's talk about the lessons that you've learned along the way, because that's always really inspiring for people to hook into. What's the biggest one? I, God, there's loads I'm thinking of, but the (laughs) one that stands out, I think just based on the conversation we've been having is... It might feel terrible and it might feel bad. You can't change it if it's happened. If it's external to you, you certainly can't control it. So the only thing you can do is learn from it. That for me, you know, the team is a bit of a joke because something will happen. I go, right, yeah, that was crap. What are we going to do about it? What are we going to learn from it? What are we going to change going forward? Yeah. Is there anything we can change as a result of that? So it's a bit of a, yeah, yeah, yeah. What can we learn from it? It's a bit of a, I absolutely, <laughs> I've changed that neural pathway for sure. You know, we go to catastrophic, what's the worst case? I don't jump into best case because positivity is very different to having an optimistic frame, I think. And that fake positivity is everywhere, isn't it? And and I am very irritated by that. It's okay, it's rubbish. What might help me feel 1% better about this? And for me, saying what can I learn from it always makes me feel 
at least one percent better. So that would be my that would be my one big thing for sure. I like that. I like that. And has that come from facing into adversity, or you know, how have you got there? Well, it's interesting because I don't think. Well, I don't think I've had loads of adversity, and I've just remembered I always miss this. I always miss this bit of the story out. Actually, when in the summer we always have a couple of days together to see before because I have August off to kind of wind down because I'm very prone to burnout with my street fighter tenacious side of me and we were talking about some of this stuff and I said when I so I talked about the the aerobics but actually I had my own aerobic studio in my 20s and I had that with somebody else a partner who cut a very long story short didn't really help that much and kind of disappeared and left me to deal with it all on my own nice yeah and I ended up with a lot of debt and I had some very difficult decisions to make in my 20s. And I remember having to drive to Manchester. And my dad said, do you want me to come with you? And I was like, no, I'm doing it on my own. This is where the street fighter is great, right? And I drove to Manchester. I live in Southampton, so I'm right on the South Coast. Drove there and I had to sit in a room with loads of people we owed money to, the aerobic studio. And I agreed. I didn't want to go bankrupt. I was absolutely was not going to do that. So I took out an IVA. I can't remember. It's an involuntary agreement yes. uh, where I pay money back. And it was a significant amount of money, especially in my 20s. But do you know what? I, I don't miss out the story because it's too painful or anything like that. I'm just like, well, that was, that was interesting. And I remember thinking, well, if I can deal with that in my 20s, and my mum and dad say to me, we don't know how you managed that. You didn't, I mean, don't get me wrong. I was stressed about it. Of yeah. course I was. So there's something in me that I think almost invites in some stuff like that. I don't mean on purpose consciously, but I, I think that's been part of my journey to, especially around financial stuff, actually. It doesn't scare me to take financial risk. I know that's really adversity, but it was pretty significant back then. I'm not afraid of that. I'm not afraid of much. I mean, I'm afraid of doing a bungee jump or something. <laughs> <By the> <laughs> <way>. <laughs> I'm not talking about that kind of thing. I'm talking about in business, not much frightens me. I don't oh, that really gosh. answers the question, but yeah. No, it's brilliant. It's brilliant. And what about getting out of bed in the morning? What's the thing that kind of gives you the oomph to want to get up and get on with it? I very rarely don't want to get up and get down into the office and crack on because I just love it. There's some parts of it I don't love so much. I do my expenses and things like that, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. But I love it. And I love the clients we work with, the individuals, because the people that connect to our business are the people that love this kind of stuff. So a lot of the time it doesn't feel like working. I love to exercise. That's always been big for me. And I've totally, I never thought this would happen, but in the six months of, you know, the COVID situation, I've given up my gym membership and I am doing yoga and hit every morning in the lounge, which I never thought I'd do. Just order myself a Peloton bike, cancel my gym membership. So that also gives me get up and get moving in the morning. Yes. Are you an early bird? Do you know what? I'm not. I can do it, but I'm more of a night owl. (laughs) I can get up and get going when I have to, you know, but actually not having to travel like I've had to travel and having yeah. a slight lion has been heaven for me. I'm more in the office till late at night. That's when I'm my, my most creative. That's actually. your creative bit. I love that. And what about, yeah, you've yeah. mentioned exercise. How else do you look after your well-being, the whole piece around well-being? So that has been my, that's been part of my 40s transformation. I'm still not there. But for example, taking the whole of all stuff, We've got a little holiday lodge down in Dorset and it's my most favourite place in the world. Nice. And I'm going to retire down there for sure. And every year I've done it. So I've only had this place for four years. But even before that, we'd have August off. 
And what I've noticed over the years, and this year was very obvious to me, I have slowed everything right down. So this year I was there, I actually made sure I had some time there on my own just with the dog. And then there was some time just myself, my daughter and the dog. And then my husband came down for a week and a weekend and then I had the girls visit. But we didn't really go out for dinner. We booked some dinners and then we cancelled them going, oh, I can't bother to get showered and get dressed up. Let's stay in. Like the dog walks on the beach on my own mm. with a podcast, all of that kind of thing. That's why I can tell I've really started to change with that stuff because yeah. that would not have interested me at all. And walking the dog, I guess, and trying to get earlier nights because I am a night owl. So that was how I would say I do it. And exercising for me is also that because I feel great when I've done it. That is my stretch. Still. Yes. Because the tenacious street fighting, come on then, is the bit where I have to, but I've definitely improved. And, you know, I'm 50 next year and I feel very, wow. that feels very significant to me. You know, that I'm in my 50th year now. There's something about that slowing down to speed up thing that it feels more exciting to me it used to be I have to do that otherwise I'm going to burn out because I have burnt out before rather than uh, now I'm going to really do it yeah yeah that's lovely and what about your next challenge then what's next for you in your 50s well I'm decided that I I have a retirement date for sure so I want to retire end of July 2026 when I'm 55 coming up 55 so I guess the challenge for me is to make that happen whilst having a really good time along the way. And the biggest challenge for me with that is the business. So in the next six years, what does that look like? Because I started to grow the business back end of last year. And then, of course, this happened. Yes. So, you know, I've had to make some, some challenging decisions. I've had to change the business model, which, you know, is like lots of people, by the way. So my challenge is how do I now get to that retirement and be able to back off I won't completely retire. There's some stuff I'd love to do. I'd love to be a trustee of a charity and do a bit of non-exec stuff. I'd love to do that. But I'm talking being like I am now. So how do I do that? But without becoming so focused on that, that I don't enjoy the next six years as well. Yeah. Yeah. That's so important. Yeah. Yeah. It's the balance, isn't it? Between the two. And it feels like you're a little bit like me and there's not much balance for me. I'm kind of either head right into something and I give it 500% or I'm out. Yeah, and, yeah, I'm, and it, I th- I'm going to really take that as a lesson, that idea of, you know, you know where you want to get to and you're driving towards it, but enjoy the ride while yeah. you go, because that's something I'm probably not to do. No, I've got yeah. better, but that is definitely my gap. Yeah. No, I love that. And we're going to play something called the five second game rule now. Okay, Ooh, so this I is see. very popular with my children. You have like five seconds. Yes, yeah, she's sitting up in her chair now. The street fighter is coming out. I'm excited, yes. <laughs> Come on then. So you have five seconds to give me three answers to a question. Okay, so very okay. kind of top of the head stuff. So let's do it. In the five second game rule, can you give me three words to describe you? Tenacious, passionate, angry. <laughs> I can be angry. There's some yeah. honesty coming out there. In that yeah, I can be angry, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely tenacious. I can feel that. Let's do another one. So in the five second game rule, can you give me three things that you're grateful for? My children, my health, my friends and family. That was a bit long, but yeah. It's got to be, hasn't it? I love that. When people talk about their friends and family as being one of the things that is kind of in the center of their world. I just think that shows, you know, that person has really got it together. So I love that. 
Yeah, my friends are like my family. Yeah, yeah, they're, yeah, they're huge. Yeah, yeah. And the final question is the killer question, though. Okay, so we want okay. big things from this one. I just know that they will be there. <laughs> Do you know what? Everybody says different things for this, which is what I love about it, because there's always something for people to take away when we have so much variety. So in your view, what is the absolute secret to success? A beginner's mind. Do not think you know everything, even when you are working or living in a space and you are an expert. Just adopt that curiosity and openness to perhaps not knowing it all. By the way, you know, I have to practice this too. I think that if you can do that, I think that means you can't have anything but success because you're always going to be improving. Oh, that is and we've not had that before. That is brilliant. It was the CEO of Microsoft said to be a learn it all rather than a know it all. And I love uh, that. Very similar. Well. And it, it's similar, isn't it? That beginner's mindset, no matter how much you know, there's always something more and be open to, to learning it. I think about your kids, you know, that why, 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 yeah. what, what? It's like, oh God, back off. But actually, if you think about you know, and I, when it comes to culture, you know, I, I go, I know, I know quite a lot and I do a lot of work in that area. For me to go, imagine if I didn't, yeah. imagine if I knew nothing, what questions might I ask? Oh. What might I hear that I'm not hearing? It's that. And it's, of course, it's a challenge to adopt that because we lose that, right? And we're actually taught, aren't we? We have to know yes. things. Yeah, absolutely. We're not taught to be open to not knowing. So, yeah. I love that. And that question, why, why, why? I remember asking that to my dad when I was young and he used to say, because a Y is not a Z. Go figure <laughs> like what you that. meant to get from that. <laughs> remember that if I ever have any grandchildren, my kids are too old. Absolutely. They, all think, they think they know it already. <laughs> Don't they just at that age? Oh, it, do you know what? I have really loved chatting with you today. I feel like we are part of the same side of a coin. Very easy. Very, very similar journeys and you're just a joy. And the fact that you are 49, you wouldn't know it in a million years. So you're doing lots of things right. Well, clearly. I appreciate that. It's good you're no one else can see this, right? And it's a podcast. That's <laughs> yeah, we only put the audio out soft. soft yeah, big. that's good. Yeah, good. <laughs> oh, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and just being so open and honest this morning. I'm sure this is going to inspire lots of people. So enjoy the rest of your day and we'll speak again soon. Thank you for having me. I've loved it. I do hope that you enjoyed listening to the Mindset Mentor Meets podcast. If you did, be sure to check out the show notes to access all of those important links. For more about me, visit my website at www.angela-cox.co.uk. Now, I'd really love it if you could subscribe to our channel so that you never miss an episode and do leave us a five-star review because it really helps us to get noticed. Bye for now. I do hope that you'll tune in next week and take good care.